we're, we're recording and now I go I'm gonna try to go live on YouTube. Okay, guys, we are live. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Police Off the Cuff After Hours. I hear echo. Because you probably have your phone on. No, not yet. I forgot to do that, actually. I had my phone, my volume on my phone. See, all these technical difficulties because we're on a shoestring budget here. All right. Uh, cut. Let's take it from the top. <laughs> Welcome. Hopefully it's not me. <laughs> it's us. Okay. Welcome to another episode of Police Off the Cuff After Hours. My name is Mark DeMeo. I'm your host, my partner, my co-host in all things law enforcement, Bill Cannon. What's up, buddy? Hey, I saw uh, when we first uh, zeroed in on where Mike is. He's in Chicago, man. It looks beautiful. You, what do you got, about four foot of snow there? It, it, it almost has not stopped snowing. And, and normally the view's better, but it's covered with snow right now. It's a blizzard, but I, I got to admit, I'm kind of loving it. Can you, jump, can you jump off your balcony and into the snow or no? It's 50 stories. I'm on the 50th floor. Hey, I mean, take I a shot. Even, take a shot. <laughs> do you want, I could bring the camera out there. You want to see it? It's, it's no, real. No, no. I'm only a little afraid of heights, thankfully, but it's, it is a little scary, but it's, but it's beautiful. So let me introduce you to our audience. Uh, our guest tonight is a retired NYPD sergeant, detective sergeant. Um, and he's one of the most highly uh, respected and accomplished actors that's ever come out of the NYPD. He's appeared in movies and TV shows such as Wolf of Wall Street, Blue Bloods, Mozart in the Jungle, Orange is the New Black, Limitless. And that's just to name a few. Right now he was doing, he just came off of doing a show called The Undoing with Nicole Kidman. And he's here with us tonight. Thank you for joining us, Michael Devine. <laughs> Thank you, fellas. This is wow. great. That was some fucking introduction, man. He it really was. That, I, he doesn't. I couldn't that. have written it better myself. You may even get laid from that introduction. <laughs> <laughs> My family might be watching this. I don't know. I told them quickly. But I am out of town. I am. Well, I forgot to mention too that you're also a singer. I do it all, and but I really yeah. think of myself mainly as a dancer. You know, I think yeah, dancer yeah. first. What are you doing, the Irish fucking step dancing? <laughs> get the fuck out of here! Not even that. I. You know, a couple roles I've, I've actually had to like move well, as they call it, but I can't. I'm it's it's the worst thing ever. So I I, I worked on the stuff that that had hope. Yeah, well, we're gonna get into that whole history uh, oh. of how just you know you uh, you actually you were an actor first before you joined the NYPD. But before you do that, um, we're gonna ask you for a second just to pretend like you're on one of the TV shows, the million TV shows that you've shot before. All right. and, uh, just sit back for a minute because we are going to do a commercial. <laughs> oh, let's do it. <laughs> Listen up, guys and gals. We are sponsored by the best hot sauce in the world. Silk City Hot Sauce is made with small batches with pure ingredients. Locally grown peppers are the foundation of every bottle of Silk City Hot Sauce. There are several flavors from mild to wild, and you got to see the labels. Uh, it's killer artwork, man. I don't know if you can see that. 
I've had it. I've tested three out of the five so far, and they are phenomenal. They are beautiful. Um, please go to silkcityhotsauce.com. That's one word, silkcityhotsauce.com. Enter the coupon code OTC for off the cuff for a 15% discount. And wait, there's more. If you, get, if you do that, you're going to get a free bottle of cherry sriracha. Don't forget, OTC for a 15% discount. And thank you for Silk City Hot Sauce for being our first sponsor. And uh, back to our show. And OTC stands for off the cuff for all you geniuses out there that couldn't figure that out. All, so, you, all, all you cops. That's why you became cops, because you couldn't figure out riddles. <laughs> so um, why are you in Chicago right now? Are you filming something? I am. I'm not sure I can say just yet what it is, but it's a network show and I'm in Chicago. So you have like a one in three chance of guessing what show I'm doing right now, but I don't think I can say just yet. Chicago fire. <laughs> I can't say just yet. So, you know, I saw that you had an album and you knocked Pavarotti off the charts. And I was like, but Pavarotti got to sing with Eric Clapton, right? I never Holy did. Mother, yeah. Hear my prayer. Holy that, <laughs> that was kind of freaky. It was good, but freaky, right? You know, he, he was too powerful for that song, you know? Like yeah, Clapton sang it, and he was like, holy mother. You know what made me cry with uh, Pavarotti sang with uh, James Brown? Really? Yeah. This is uh, uh, for A Man's World. They sang it together. I've never heard that look it up. Yeah, man, it's the most beautiful thing you'll let ever me, hear. Let me see if we can uh, hear Mike sing right now. Ah, oh, and I'll I'll dance. Oh, that's a that's a sad one. That that was the that was a. Let me speed this up a little bit. So far, so good. <laughs> you know what that joke when they say you should sing solo, solo, so that we could hear you. <laughs> Why are you interrupting them? The guy can sing. I can't hear it. Nobody can hear it. Yeah, I don't hear sound. Is there sound? It might. Hang on a second. Be... Let me let me just. This better be good, Mike. <laughs> I, I, I sure hope so. I, what are you going to do? Cut me off? <laughs> I am on the 50th floor. Thankfully, you're not here. Yeah, is that a hotel room? I think. You hear it now? Yes. Yeah.
that was amazing. Thank you. I got to say, that was one of the proudest moments of my life. It was very, very moving because it was the National Memorial. Wow. You hit, that, you hit that high note. Did you spend some time with the Harlem Boys Choir or what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, some notes you just, you were born to sing as a boy and it never changes. Holy shit. That was, that's very impressive. Thank you. Yeah, you know, it was, it was so emotional because you start out and it's complete darkness. And that was the moment that they lit all the candles. So as I'm singing it, it just candle after candle for it went on forever. But I, I swear, one of the most touching, proudest moments of my life. Now, do you play an instrument? Nothing well, but I, I, I try the bagpipes. I play the bagpipes a little, yeah. uh, the guitar a little, the piano a little, but, but nothing well. I'm definitely a singer first. Yeah. Well, that's, that's great. Man. Right? Thank you. That's from La Miz, right? Yeah. It's actually one of my favorite songs, and, and they asked for that, so it was perfect. Yeah, I, I, I can't believe that. That was so moving. That was so powerful. I love that song. That's what yeah. makes Thank you. And you know yeah. something? I don't want to like cause a rivalry, but you blow away that guy Caruso that was singing all over the fucking place after 9 11. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, thank, I, mean, I don't mean yeah, but I thank you. Thank you. Um, so if he wants to come on and challenge you to a sing-off, we'll have you both on. <laughs> he's a good guy. And actually, we, we, he and I have spoken and we've compared notes. He's a, he's a really good guy. And he's a great is, singer. Is he, still, uh, is he still singing? Yeah, yeah. He does. He does or did he retire solo. after he saw this video? <laughs> Thank you. No, he, he, uh, no he's, out, he's, he's in a, uh, a trio called the American Tenor. Or, I'm sorry, the New York Tenors. The two other guys. And, they, and he does a lot of solo nights. He's, he's, doing, he's still doing really well. Wow. Impressive. Hey, um, you, you have a your history as far as uh, your acting work, mostly playing police, right? Cops, right? Yeah, mostly, mostly playing cops. Every now and then, I'll get like a, a, a something that's not a cop, so it's a double win. Uh -huh. Like right now on on, on the show, I'm, I'm not I'm not even playing a fireman. It's great. I'm I'm just uh, you, know, you play a, a fireman. I would have that in my contract that, that I will not play a fireman. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not on this, but I'm not playing a comic. It's, it's every now and then, and I, I'm so grateful for, for the roles I've had, but, but every now and then when I get something that's not a cop, it's like even better. Wow. Hey, the, reason, the reason why I bring it up is because, especially recently now, there's a lot of stuff that, uh, I hear my voice still. Um, there's a lot of like roles that you might have to go for. Like, for example, you were in the movie, um, uh, the way they see us, or what is it? Um, when they when they see us, yeah. When they see us, and that movie, I don't know. Like, as far as like you know, when we watched it, those were law enforcement. Um, it was it was, you know, it was disturbing on our end. Right, sure. It didn't really tell the story the way. Uh, it just it well, I tell you the story that I saw. I saw the story of um, their parents telling what happened. And right. of course, when parents tell you what their kids did, they're going to be saints. You know? right. But my point is, I wanted to ask you, like, how did it feel to, you know, take a role like that where you might know that this isn't going to show cops in a positive light, but you are a cop? It was tough. And to be honest, I accepted it. Um, I originally read for the role of Mike. Uh, oh, my God. Uh, who, who, Mike, the, Sheen, uh, Mike Sheehan. Mike Sheehan. Yeah, I read from Mike Sheehan. Yeah. Um, so I kind of got through the door that way, and obviously I didn't get that part. But um, I got a call saying the director wanted to put me in there somewhere. So I, I couldn't, and I didn't know where she was going to put me, and I hadn't read the script yet, and I, I really thought they were going to approach it more open-mindedly. I had a lot of faith. I, I thought the directors 
phenomenal director, wonderful woman. We really hit it off. So she said, yeah, we can put you in somewhere. Would you like to be in it? I said, yes. Um, and I still hadn't read all four scripts. I was only in a small part in episode four. Um, you know, and I asked a lot of people at the time I, I was, I was, I was working with some, uh, you know, really seasoned detectives and I'm like, you know, should I do this? Should I not? And the unanimous response was, you know, we all know you're acting. Um, so, uh, on that, they kind of gave me the go ahead. And I still, you know, even on Facebook, I, I, I put out a post saying, what do you guys think really happened? Because I still try to keep an open mind. I don't, I, I, I heard very conflicting things as to, uh, you know, depends on who you talk to. I still don't know all the facts, very few do, but um, it, it was, it was a tough decision. And, and uh, I'm, I'm, just, I'm glad I did it. I, I, I met some great people. Um, so, I, but I still haven't seen it. I've not seen the show, to be honest. I saw my scene. I, and uh, it's a small role in episode four, a corrections officer. I bring, um, uh, one of the, I bring the kid to get his phone call that he's getting out. Um, but I haven't, seen, I haven't seen the rest of it. Hey, hey, listen, in all fairness, whenever I book a TV show, I only watch the scene I'm in too. <laughs> <laughs> to all our fans, what he's referring to is a... Um, a documentary on the Central Park Five case, which was, um, th th there was a lot of things left out. I'll put it that way. Uh, yeah. Telling a story through om omission is not a way to tell a story, you know? Yeah, it was like a fantasy. That yeah, they, they omitted everything. Like, why? what were they doing in the park, for example? Were well, they, they ice skating? Were they playing lacrosse? Like, they went in there to beat the shit out of people. That's what they did, you know? They left that out, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting thing. Whenever you, like, I know, for, you know, I'm an actor and Bill is an actor as well. If I'm going to read for a role and uh, and I can get it, I don't give a shit what they make me do. I'm, I'm taking it. Yeah. <laughs> Except for uh, make out with a guy. I'm not doing that. <laughs> it is tough. Well, and I do that in your regular life. <laughs> anal maybe, but I'm not making out. <laughs> Listen, I just want to shout out to some of our people on the live chat. Uh, Cat in the Hat. Elijah Rasmussen, MC's Audio. You're one of our biggest fans. Ryan Investigative Group. Carl Dunzel, former ESU here. Woo! You know something? I just want to use the ESU limerick. When the public needs help, they call the police. When the police need help, they call ESU. Yes, I had to say that. Uh, That's great. With Cella Pranzo. Ryan, uh, Cat in the Hat, I said already. Hoppy, hoppy. Um, Steve Gates, how come Bill Gates isn't watching us? Uh, OG Basel, Susan Lively Sue, uh, Melody McAtee, and Peter Pranzo, of course, he's always here. Oh, hey, Pete. And MC's audio. So, uh, you, oh, you know Peter Pranzo? Great guy. Uh, yeah, all Steve, right. Stephen Gates just seems to be saying hi, Mike. So, oh, is, uh, is he your friend? Oh yeah, another good guy. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, hey, thanks, guys. Oh, so let me let let me ask you a little bit about your police career because I, I retired in 2011. I mean, okay. you, I guess you had about 10 years on the job at that point, right? I came out. I came on in 98. 98. Okay, yeah. So you you had about 12, 13 years on the job at yeah. that point, and you you wound up you you were a Manhattan South guy, right? Yeah, in Manhattan South. Precinct in Midtown North. See, what, what we refer to cops that work in Midtown South and Midtown North, we say their balls were dipped in butter from fucking day one, you know? <laughs> I've never heard that. Because they were hooked up. They were hooked up, you know, and that's uh, what we say. They don't like it. In fact, we even have 
dipped in butter on our police off the cuff uh, coffee mugs. And that's who oh, it's referring oh, to. Oh, that's what that means. I yes. didn't realize, I've seen it, but I didn't know what it meant. No, it was a very tough precinct because sometimes, you know, people would ask you for directions. You don't know. All directions are different. No directions are routine. <laughs> they might ask you where a restaurant is or a Broadway show or post for a picture. It's not easy. Did you, did you easy. use that ridiculous joke? Hey, do you know how to get to Lincoln Center? Yeah, practice, <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm sure there was a moment I, I was able to use that. because we, we, we actually had Carnegie Hall. In the, in that's, the oh, that's, that's, right. us, yeah. that's usually the joke. Hey, you know how to get to Carnegie Hall? Yeah, you yeah. practice. Yeah. It was a great place to be a cop, I tell you. I loved it. When people knew that you were an actor and a singer, did like uh, civilians come up to you and say, could you sing a few bars of, uh, you know, Danny Boy or something like that, you know? No, in fact, I, I kept it really quiet for, uh, you know, I didn't really get back into acting until maybe 2002, 2003. So I, I kind of focused on being a cop for a bit. And also, I couldn't get a day off. There's no way to get a day off, so I couldn't be going to auditions or something. Oh, like that. I, you know, I had friends that were bosses on the Midtown North desk, and they would get calls like this. Yes, a uh, 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 sergeant. A uh, little, little Megan. Yes, my that's my daughter, Megan. Uh, you denied her for a day off tomorrow. This is Chief So and So. Give her off. <laughs> Thankfully, it would be. It's very tough to be a boss at Midtown North. Luckily, as a cop, it's a lot more fun. Yeah, because all the cops are all hooked up, right? Um, a lot of them were. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you see, you see how. He, how measured he was in delivering that line. Yeah. Well, at the time, and, and, and I guess I could, and I, I kept this quiet too, but at the time, Howard Safer was commissioner and my father was a drug enforcement agent and they were partners. Wow. So uh, uh, Commissioner Safer, uh, let me uh, pick, pick my command. Wow, that's, uh, yeah, I would, if I knew what, if I knew what I know now, I definitely would go to Midtown North, you know? That's that's definitely the land of milk and honey down there, you know. It is, and you know, and, and it's a real, and it was a good group of guys who taught me the right way right from the start. You know, we we really had to we had to um, look sharp, act smart, act sharp. Um, our, the paperwork was tight. You know, the arrests we were busy. I mean, they weren't all murders, but the, we we were busy. Right. It's a busy robbery precinct and grand larceny precinct, uh, Midtown North and South. You know. Yeah. There's so much going on there. Hey, um, let's talk about the juggling because I I started out in comedy, and I've been I was a comic for 15 years while I was on the job. Also, you know whatever acting parts I could play, and there was a lot of juggling. You mentioned that you know you didn't get involved with the acting until 2002 because you couldn't even get a day off, uh, and I found myself like going to specific looking for units where I can be in my theater company, so work during the day and when yeah. I uh, comic, so I needed to work during, you know what I'm saying? So um, how did you jump? Because you were getting, you were getting really decent roles and, and consistently, how did you- Fuck, did he, you just, he just told you, Commissioner Safer? Yes, this is Michael Devine. Hey, he didn't stay commissioner forever though. It went, it went south very quickly. Commissioner, right. when you leave, will you talk to the guy who's replacing you? I would never do that, in fact, uh, I never mentioned it. He actually, at my graduation, the police academy, Commissioner Safer brought it up. Nobody knew. I didn't say anything. So now I'm more open about it because it's so long ago. But um, no, he, I would never call him for anything. You know, like that's that. the smartest thing. Whenever someone asks me, like a new cop asks me, what's the biggest piece of advice you could give me? And I always say, loose, loose lips, sink ships. Keep your yeah. mouth shut. Keep your mouth shut, right? 100%. And even though I give that advice, I had the biggest fucking mouth there was. <laughs> 
Yeah, and it, but it's so true, and for so many reasons too. You know, you 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 had to hit that delicate balance where you want to sound like you know what you're talking about, but you right. can't. You know it all. You want to be active, but not too active. You want to say the right thing at the right time, but you know, but also know when to not say anything. Um, more specifically, to answer the question, um, it, it took a long time for me to be able to. <clears throat> You know, start auditioning and get and get off. I remember, I, and I also, I also had to work midnights when I became a sergeant. I, I chose midnight so I can have the days off. But I remember there was a period. It was right after I guess 2012, Superstorm Sandy. Um, you know, it pun intended when it rains it pours. But I, uh, <laughs> you should be a comic too. Add that on to no, your no, resume. No, I can never do stand up. <laughs> no, no. But I, it, within the same week, I booked House of Cards in Baltimore and then Wolf of Wall Street in New York. And uh, I was trying to just work out that was enough. And then, uh, and then a storm hit. I lived in Long Beach. My home was destroyed. Uh-huh. I'm literally out directing traffic as a, as a sergeant because all the, the lights and lo- the traffic lights in Lower Manhattan were, uh, were out. So I was literally directing traffic not knowing if I could, you know, agree to a Martin Scorsese film because I couldn't get a day off. Thankfully, it all it all worked out because I had great bosses um, who have always been very generous. And then even like right until the end, I only retired, you know, in September. I had great bosses in the detective bureau, like something like The Undoing. I had to take um, almost four months off. That was wow. that was a long, long shoot. And I mean, I came in when we weren't shooting, so I didn't burn every vacation day. But it. it I had, thankfully, thanks, Lieutenant Russo. <laughs> where where great, did you where did you work in the bureau? That was I was in Chief of D's for most of my career. Oh, out of the building. Out of the building, yeah, I was uh, in the building. But once I I went in the building in two thousand seven, and I didn't leave till I retired. I so used I, to have a I used to have a joke too. People say, "What do you want to do on this job?" I say, "I want to go to the bureau." They go, "Where?" I go, "The equipment bureau." <laughs> <laughs> That's really good. You know, I, so I'm passing this to us because I work for uh, Pulaski. So I was always up on the 14th floor, like every day. Uh, I, I was in the training unit. Oh, wow. I, I must have seen you. I got, I was in chief of these investigations. And then during Pulaski, I got brought upstairs as the ops coordinator for the bureau. Mm-hmm. So I was there for the tail end of Pulaski. So I probably, I, I sat right in front of his office. I probably uh, signed off on your travel. Was that you? There was a bodybuilding chick there. Was there? He used to, uh, you know what I'm talking about? Oh, that was maybe before my time in his office. A bodybuilding chick. Yeah, she was in great shape, man. I can't think of who that was. I got there, luckily, not. Uh, I mean, officer. I mean, I wasn't branded one of Pulaski's guys, thankfully, because when the new chief came in, normally, you know, the, the regimes changed. They, they. Uh, um, they clean house. You know, <laughs> they do clean house. And luckily yeah. I was new enough where I was not. And I actually, I, I, he was great to us. And I know he's got, you know, um, a history, but he was great to us. That was a great staff. But, um, hey, you know, hey, Bill, you know how it happened? Pulaski walks up there and he goes, who's that guy? And that guy goes, oh, that's safe. And, and then he goes, oh, okay. And then he's, he's, <laughs> <laughs> he's the actor. He's safe. That's All right. right. That's right. <laughs> I lasted through. I, actually, I got there under Brown, and then I was upstairs under Pulaski, Boyce, Shea, and then Chief Harrison came in uh, and, and brought in 30 people with him. So uh, I didn't last long under, under Chief Harrison. So, you know, that's another reason why we, you say you keep your mouth shut, because you could say, I can't stand that guy. And he could be related to 10 other people uh, on the job, right? Yes, or he could be, you know, your parallel now, and he's your boss next month. Or, or Right, you know, exactly. 
And I, I always stepped on my proverbial uh, Johnson doing opening sure. my mouth, you know. <laughs> I did too a couple times as a rookie, and, and I always thank those Midtown North guys. And luckily, it wasn't I didn't have to be put in my place per se, but I was smart enough to to you know even something as simple. And I remember asking uh, one of the other sectors, and they they kind of chewed us out for not saying thank you. We wanted to go to meal. They took a job, and I didn't say thank you on the radio. Something as simple as that, and he gave me a talking to oh, because God. I didn't say thank you. And I'm, but I'm so thankful for that now because that was a way that he was teaching me the right way to do it. That's and some old, that, that's some old time cop shit, you know, like sector, is, oh, sector courtesy, cool. and you know, yeah. But the, I, I was so thankful for that. If you're in the squad and you're out and investigating and you're heading back in, if you don't call the office up and say anybody want anything, we're coming oh. back. Oh, forget it, forget yeah. it. Well, oh, this guy! Oh, yeah. okay, one way. That's right. They have streets named after you. You know. <laughs> what did they sell you one and pull the gate down? I always love to tell this Midtown North story, though. I made that mistake one time. I came back. I was doing a little uh, catching up on some paperwork. I came back in with a cup of coffee. Oh, well, where's my coffee? You got? I don't know. Did yeah. you get coffee? I didn't get coffee. You do that once, and you learn. Yeah. I had I had the investigative detail, I think in 2008 or 2009, I had all these detectives from the north. And there were these like, fr it was so cold that night. There were these five frozen terrorists. They were actually almost like ice pops. And some of them from Intel said they look suspicious. So we were the investigative unit. So I said, well, let's just bring them into uh, Midtown North and we'll, um, we'll debrief them, you know. And we were all happy to get the hell off the street because it was so cold. So I bring him in there, and some detective from Midtown North goes, uh, hey, uh, Sarge, uh, you know, we got a huge grand larceny case here. You know, he didn't want me there. I said, I don't give a fuck what you got. I go, I'm the, the, I'm the sergeant on the New Year's Eve detail investigative. I don't give a shit if you got, you know, Bonnie and Clyde in here. I'm coming here and debriefing these prisoners. He, you know, he found out who I was. <laughs> That's canon from the North. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's that too yes like are you kidding me like he was trying to protect his territory you know he didn't want us messing up his caviar on his desk you know <laughs> i wonder who that was uh, tim acosta says manhattan north kept the delegates very busy uh is that true um pink new nanum uh hi from oxford uk can you believe that wow hi. wow Mike, you thought you were coming on just some regular podcast, right? You got people yeah. listening to Oxford. That's fantastic. Mike, yeah. you must have a lot of uh, Irish uh, fans because you look Irish as all hell. You know, you get people oh, from I... Dublin and from all these Irish places, right? That'd be fantastic. <laughs> I did find my way to uh, an Irish pub here today. Uh, Butch, oh gosh. Oh, Butch McLean's, I think it was. I found myself in an Irish pub here in Chicago in a snowstorm. It was fantastic. You don't you don't drink, do you? No. <laughs> it's tea, actually, but I did. I had a. I. I it's tough to find a Magners on tap. I was. I was uh, in my glory. Hey, how I should remember the name of the place. Butch. Butch something. Hey, how far away from you from not having to audition? You had to say like. Not very far at all. Um, in fact, uh, you know, there is that whole offer only thing, and I. I don't think so. In fact, I, I learned recently, and this was very comforting to me in, in a weird way. Um, 
I, I heard that even Nicole Kidman, um, she has to audition. Wow. And she's, it's, it's, I, I heard her being interviewed recently for backstage and it was like, it was very, she was talking crap and it was very interesting. And she did say that she has to audition and then she, she doesn't always get whatever part she wants. It's, you know, it's, uh, she may not be right for it, but hearing that she needs to audition was very reassuring to me because I don't think I'll ever, I don't know if I'll ever get to that. That's pretty amazing, right? Mike, could we yeah, sing, what, could we sing a duet? You just pick up on this one, all right? It's Christmas Eve, babe. In the drunk in the tank, drunk an old man old said, man to, said me, to me, won't see another one. one. Then he sang a song, the rare old mountain dew. I turned my face away and dreamed about you. <laughs> I sang with Mike Devine, yeah! And the boys at the NYPD. That's the best line, right? Isn't We're singing Galway Bay. And the bells and were ringing out for Christmas, for Christmas Day. Day. What a great song. That's by the Pogues, man. That's a great, great song. Yeah. And of course, the line, they had to clean up that line. You're a drunk, you're a punk, you're an old slut on junk, laying there almost <laughs> dead on a drip in that bed. You scumbag, you maggot, you cheap. <laughs> yeah. I only, I knew that song first from the Irish tenors, and they did a very, you know, cleaned up, very classic um, first class version of that. It was not the Pokes. Yeah. Well, Shane McGowan, I mean, it's, oh, yeah. it's funny how he can go off key, but still sound good. Yeah, and he goes off key a lot. If you notice, he does. <laughs> you got, you got some of the, the, the best singers. It's all about character. It's not classical training. It's, yeah, you know, it's amazing. It's about that character in your voice. Yeah. Did you do much music in theater? No, I, I didn't. I mean, in college, I did my you know my degrees in. in Where did you theater. go to? I went to Montclair State in New Jersey, which had a really good drama program. They, it was it was uh, and and. Uh, Getting a degree in acting is a fun way to spend uh, a college uh, uh, education. That was a, a lot of fun, but we, yeah, we did we did a lot of musical theater there. Um, but I, I really haven't, you know. I, there, were, I would love to return to it because also when all the time I was a cop, I could never take off time to do theater. Um, so now that I actually am retired and I could do theater, it's not it's not there yet. You can do um, whiskey in Westside. Officer uh, you know, McCluskey, <laughs> Officer Krupke, uh, Krupke, Krupke. Yeah, that's yeah, right. That's yeah. right. Yeah, maybe one day. Oh, he doesn't sing, so what's the point? But uh, right. he has a number. Do you he remember Cop? He they sing about him, but he doesn't sing. Really? That's right. Yeah. yeah, it's the kids singing about him, but he does, he himself doesn't sing. Oh man, I was in I was in uh, West Side Story when I was in seventh grade. That was my <laughs> that was my theater debut. I played a part called Big Deal. That was the name of the part. I remember Big Deal. Yeah, that was my part. <laughs> yeah. There, and Riff Raff. And there were... Yeah, Riff. Tony, yeah. of course, was the biggest Tony part. Was, you know, and then Bernardo was the... Bernardo. Uh, the Sharks yeah. and the Jets, right? And, and when you're a jet, you're a jet all the way from your first cigarette to your last day. I feel like I'm at a, a bar. Like I'm, we I should be in a gin mill right now drinking, not on the podcast. <laughs> I was almost in the uh, Spielberg version of that. They called to check my availability, but I was stuck on the undoing. They asked if I was available for that. Oh, what a horrible thing. You were stuck on the undoing. <laughs> I was, I know it's not stuck, but I couldn't, I, I had, it was a two day commitment. I could only commit to one. So I, I couldn't do, but I would have loved to have been in Spielberg's West Side Story. Could you imagine that? Wow. And it, it was, it was a, a, you know, a small, you know, role, but um, yeah, but if, uh, 
I would have been all over that. That's that would have been great. Good problems to have. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm not complaining. But uh, you know, Mike, I read that you know you came on the job. You were 26 years old, and when you came on, you said, "Oh, I'm going to only do like four years." And I'm oh. gonna make, I'll be 30 years old. I'll get off this job. And then you wound up doing 22 oh. years, right? Yeah, no, I did. That is true. I, I kind of, um, I, you know, I, I said, yeah, uh, okay. I'm, let me, let me, let me give it till I'm 30. Yeah. I said, let me give it till I'm 30 and then I'll find something else to do. And I, I was actually, I was, I was working for the shows in management. I had a great job. I was working, uh, I was on tour with the show, Miss Saigon. And, uh, but I, I had this higher calling. I just felt this, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to be a cop really bad. I wanted to follow in my family's footsteps. So I gave up this job making a, more than a 26 year old should be making. And uh, so that's where I said, let me, let me, I have to, I just have to do this. I have to do it. And I said, let me give it from 30. And that was, uh, it lasted 22 years. Wow. I'm almost 50. Hey, wow. uh, you, let me, let's go back a little bit. Uh, you're a third generation law enforcement in your family and your father was shot in the line of duty and spent many years paralyzed do you think that you wanted to make your father proud and that's why you went into the police department i don't know if it's he would have been proud of me regardless of what i did i don't know maybe you know maybe a psychologist could tell me that there's some reasoning in there maybe there was just some well, that's what I am. I'm a, I'm a psychologist. Yeah. I'll, then I'll tell, I'll spill it all. And then I hope I don't have to give you a copay. Um, I don't know. I, I wouldn't say like, I felt there was, un, I keep saying there was a higher call, but maybe there was a job unfinished. Not that you can, not that fighting crime will ever be finished, but I just felt like it's, 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 as you can tell, because I'm struggling to describe it, it's, it's, I don't know. It just uh, the simplest way is to describe it as it was a higher calling. And I kind of wish I. No, I don't want to say I wish I didn't do it because I have no regrets whatsoever, but it was not the, it was it was a hard decision at the time. Your father was a federal agent and yeah. shot. And um, but yet you were still brave enough also to take the job. I mean, you know, <laughs> You were, you, were, you were a theater actor. You wouldn't think that a theater actor would be that brave. I mean, you have a, a witness right there of what could happen, and yet you still took the job. My poor mother. And my brother's a cop, too. He, he, he retired as well. He was an uh, investigator with a special narcotics prosecutor. So my poor mother, she's been doing Hail Marys for, you know, since the late 70s. But uh, <laughs> she can finally lay up on that. But, yeah, I... I um, I don't know what it, I don't know what it is. I never, uh, I never felt, you know, super courageous or brave. I just felt this was the right thing to do. And you know, I, we've all been scared and you know while on the job, but I just I still felt I was. I, I there was never a moment where I said I don't feel like I'm doing the right thing. I felt out of my element, and I didn't always click. You know, I didn't always feel like one of the guys. Um, well, I, I shouldn't say that, but they they sure treated me as if I was you know one of the guys. But I never I. It was just, um, it just felt like the right thing to do at the right time. And, and uh, looking back, it, 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 it was. You know, Mike, it's funny. You said something about uh, being scared. And if, if you're never scared on the police department, then you're crazy, you know, because. Of course, you know, of course. Or, or else you're not getting involved, you know. Yeah. You know, and but, I never realized just, what, especially when you see it from the inside, these are not, you know, superheroes. They're 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 real. They bleed. They cry. We we uh, we live. We die. 
I've never, it's, and that's one of the things I'm so grateful for, for having this point of view where I see police officers as humans, um, extremely human and all that entails, flaws and all. But, and I, I also never realized just, you know, these are not the, you know, it's as much, as macho as they can be, they can be as lion hearted and soft hearted as, as, as they can be courageous. It's, it's, uh, and I've seen some terror, we all have, but I remember looking back, we, uh, there were things that I saw which destroyed some cops I know, and I won't even get into stuff like that, but it destroyed them. And I saw grown men break down in tears, fall to their knees. So it's, it's, uh, I, it's that, whether it's fear or, um, you know, or, or uh, it's just, it's the, it's, it's just being human on steroids. It's, yeah. we, we see such highs and lows. No, no wonder it's, no wonder we all drink. Well, you know, that's why it bothers me when there's so many attacks on the profession of policing coming from yeah. the political landscape. Because in my 27 years on the police department, I saw some of the greatest people in, the, in this world. And as a profession, it's a hell of a lot better than 99% of all other professions as far as having good people, honest people, people that will go the extra yard. If you compare us with politicians, it's like heaven and hell, you know? And Absolutely. We're, and we're heaven. <laughs> you know, well, yeah. It's, it's one of the reasons I, I do get very defensive. But, you know, I, whether you, you see one horrendous, whether it's a mistake or an atrocity, you know, one or two a year, which don't define us. It's the thousand good things, you, especially I loved working at headquarters because I would see, you know, from, from uh, the boss's point of view, a thousand good things happen a day. Right. Um, and, and, but, but no one sees that. Well, that's why it was nice to see that out of the acting community, Denzel Washington said, I don't care for people who put down the police and soldiers who sacrifice their lives so that we have the freedom to complain about what they do. And it was nice to see finally somebody coming out of um, the entertainment business and saying a kind word for law enforcement. Yeah, because I, I saw so many of them that uh, attacked us during the summer, you know, with the uh, riots and all that other stuff. So many people jumped on the defund the police bandwagon and all of that stuff. And it was it's really hurtful to uh, have people that have this platform and they may not have the brains to use the platform, but they use it and they talk a lot of nonsense against the police, you know. Hey, you know There's, what? It's good to hear that. Mike, here's another theory that I have. I have a theory that you became a cop because you wanted to make sure that that doesn't happen to anybody else's daddy. Oh, maybe, maybe subconsciously I saw that. I'm telling you because it's, if you really think about it, if, if my father came home and he was, he was, you know, paralyzed from the waist down, and I saw this, the last thing I would want to do is I'm like, I'd be scared to death of that. So something like you always say you had a higher calling, but I think it might have been that you want to make sure that you don't, that doesn't happen to anybody else's daddy, not underneath your watch, you know, whenever that's, I have a feeling that was in the back of your head somewhere, subconsciously. Perhaps, perhaps, you know, I, I, you know, it's again. It goes back to the nobility of the profession. You, you walk out of the precinct and you're willing to die for a stranger, or you're willing to die for another cop. Who are you talking about? 
I think anybody, anybody in uniform, if you just uh, oh, no. Mark's not including himself. <laughs> yeah. I was a cop for thirty years, man. I never left there. So I'm willing to die for any one of these people. <laughs> I, you may say that, but but you I can know. be shot. Yeah, you can be shot sitting in an RMP reading the That's newspaper. Happened to uh, my, I work with Lou, police officer Lou. Oh he, my God! Yeah, worked the. Um, I worked at Three Hundred Gold Street, and he used. Oh. To, sit at the desk every day uh, get him coffee and the one time he goes out look at what happens yeah so i think even though just just putting on a uniform and being outside is the acknowledgement that you could die today and but but you're still willing to do it um you know we i we probably don't think i, I maybe i intellectualize it a bit more or emotionalize it a bit more but and i've and i've i've defended cops by by saying just that and and uh you know i i've been met with no not every cop is willing to die you know for a stranger i'm like well if they're wearing the uniform and they identify as a cop that's all it takes yeah yeah absolutely you know there's that whole thing uh warrior versus civil servant you know and you know they, they pushed cops to be more of the community policing style cop uh, in the 21st century than the warrior, the street crime, the anti-crime, the ESU, the people that go into police work to get involved in the action part of it, you know, but it seems like they push more to be, you know, the public servant, the social worker type cop, which is, uh, you know, it's not really easy to do either, you know. No, no, you're, you're asked to be everything to everybody and it could switch on a dime. Yeah. What, hey, Mike, what's your favorite copism of all times? And I know that's hard like, to think of it. I'll give you mine. A thousand attaboys don't equal one ah uh, shit. I love that expression. <laughs> I got to think about that. <laughs> that. That's good. I've, and I've never heard that. You never heard? Come on, you had to no. have heard that one. And I, and I love uh, our language. Oh, Mark, said, Mark always said, home run, that's a ground ball. You know, all these ground copisms, ball. right? Come on. The, on. Oh, there's some great ones. In the bag and the big clocks. Yeah, the uh, big clocks. Square badge. It's, I, it's, I used to love, like, you had the most complicated case. Uh, or just like, let's say, it was uh, one of those tractor trailers. <laughs> and it hits the, the, the bottom of the bridge. And, you know, like, and also there's, like, a four cars that get hit by that tractor. It's a mess. And yeah. then some fucking veteran car. Ah, it's a ground ball, kid. Yeah. <laughs> or, or, uh, or it's a Magilla. Magilla. Or it's a Magilla. Magilla. The, yeah. the opposite ground ball was Magilla. It's a Magilla, yeah. It's a Magilla. <laughs> oh, I love, the, I love this one. That boss is a shake box. Shake box. <laughs> I love that one. And the boss called Shaky G. The lucky Saturday. It's, oh, it's, it's you know it's, you're gonna think great. of a million of them when you're off the air, but now I put you I put you on the, the pressure on you. <laughs> you did, and and uh, I mean we we've got our own jargon, but as as far as a saying, I, I'd have to think about it. I'm I'm surprised I I don't have one off the cuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's who we are. We're police off the cuff. Ah, <laughs> uh, I should have one off the cuff. You know, we, we, we had to throw the word police in front of our name because so many people had that name off the cuff. And then well, when what we... happened was we, we produced something early on for a magazine called New York Natives. And the web series was called uh, Off the Cuff. And I brought Bill in with me. That's how we started. But they lost funding. We never thought to uh, secure the name. And then afterwards, 
you know, several years later, you go online and then everybody's got a show called Off the Cuff. Off the Cuff, yeah. Uh, no, this is perfect. And I've listened to your show. I enjoy it. Thank you. We try to get the most eclectic guests. In fact, Joe Lisi uh, recommended, yes. recommended we uh, reach out to you. He's great. Oh, cool. I think he right now, he has the lead as the most successful cop actor of all time. But you'll catch he, up because you're young. He's just fine. Yeah. No, he's, he's done, great. A, he's he, done he, a lot of stuff, right? He has. In fact, I got my SAG card through Third Watch in 2003. And he was already established on that show. He, he already had 50 IMD credits just when I was getting my SAG card. But I remember, wow. yeah, he was he was on that at the yeah, time. Yeah, he, he told us that he made more money one day playing a captain on that show than he did being a real captain on the NYPD for a year. <laughs> yeah, that, that could be. That could be. That's crazy. And, and, right? uh, and David Zayas and I were at Midtown North together. He's done well, too. Yeah, I, he was on Oz. I liked him on Oz. Remember that show, that, Oz? Yeah. That was pretty... He left, he left the NYPD because he got the contract, yeah. Wow. Yeah, that was a weird thing, too. I mean, that's really why I started stand-up. I, I, I booked the uh, this show called Della Ventura. I booked another show before that. And then I was up for Third Watch for a main character oh. before the, when they were originally casting. And I lost it right at the very end, and I got so nervous that I was like, "What am I gonna? What am I gonna tell my, you know, my ex-wife's family that I'm quitting the police department, a steady job, so I can be an actor? Because I'm gonna get one of these things at some point." I was in phenomenal shape. I was booking everything anyway, so I started stand-up comedy then. And I was like, "I don't want to do any more acting. I'm gonna be a comedian." So I just—it was like a fear of like success in a way. I'm, uh, and then I just started something brand new. And then at, somewhere doing stand-up after 10 years, I was like, you know what? I could do both. You could. And actually, they, 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 they feed up feed each other very well. But I, there was that fear of, uh, what am I going to I can't quit. I can't quit. I'm going to have to stay. And it's also the fear of the uncertainty. I think doing stand-up, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you feel like you're, you have more power over what you're doing, what you're saying, when, um, rather than, and you don't have to cast yourself for the, for the role. Yeah, it's more often too. Like if you really need your ego massaged, you know, like from acting, if you want to get that tenfold, then you do stand up because you could do it four, five, six times a night. So it's like constant. Wow. Like, oh, you're the best. You're the great. Wow. So you know what I'm saying? That's. I, I felt that way when I auditioned for Pornhub, but then I got turned away. <laughs> Detective Johnny Wad. Is there an Irish porn hub? Because uh, yeah, yeah, there should be, right? <laughs> You'd be huge on Irish. That's right. Hub. That's right. Irish porn hub. That would be great. <laughs> Why don't we do a shout out to uh, Brandon Shelton? Live by the live by the badge, die by the badge. Dedicated when you put that uniform on, most respect to all law enforcement officers. Steve uh, Gates. There are cops and there are police officers. Uh, Edward uh, Kelly, I think I think you're right, Mark. Yeah, yeah. anybody who's out there, agree with me or my friend. Um, hat in a hat. We got a bunch of people. Jenna Bishop, hubby still sweats out the sheets at night. I don't know what that means, but it sounds. <laughs> you know, a lot of people from all over the world. They they write comments. They say. We love your New York accents. They're so sexy, you know. But then when I go to audition for shit, they say, your accents, fuck, you forget about it. <laughs> you know, you know, like, I, you don't have much of, I don't, I don't detect much of an accent from you. No. Um, when I, I play a cop, though, I, I, I start talking like this because I, I just, who do, who, which one of my coworkers will I channel? <laughs> 
Did you grow up in Jersey? Born in Queens, but mostly yeah, I grew up in New Jersey. So how? Oh, that's probably why you don't have the thick uh, New York accent. Yeah, that's probably why. It it, it can come out if I want to, but uh, um, yeah, I luckily never yeah never developed. You know, I remember I went to college in Buffalo and Buffalo State College. And I had this um, French literature professor, and he says, "What's your accent from?" I said, "I'm from New York." He goes, "No, no, no, no." He goes, "Not New York." He goes. Where are you from? I go Long Island. He goes, "That's it. You're, it's a Long Island accent." Interesting. You know? See, I couldn't tell the difference. the difference. You know, I couldn't tell Brooklyn from Queens, Bronx, Long Island. I, I, it's all just New York to me. Yeah. When I started acting, I wanted to lose my regional dialect, and I was taking money, and I went to a speech um, a therapist. Let's say, I don't know what you would call it, but. This lady had worked with everybody. When you go to this lady's office in the city, she had pictures of Meryl Streep, Robert, all these people. And I went there for three lessons and she gave me my money back. And she's like, <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? And she goes, you don't practice enough. I said, I do practice when I'm home. I can't practice at, at work. What am I going to be like? Thou art under arrest. <laughs> Come hither. <laughs> like, but you know something, Mark, some of the greatest actors you think they ever told Sean Connery, oh, you got to lose that accent, right? Did they tell Liam Neeson, you know, you got to lose that Irish accent? No, these guys, you know, I, I guess they've like surpassed where anyone could tell them anything about their accent, right? I'm never going to do Shakespeare, but if you want a guy from New York, <laughs> you <know>? we got you. <laughs> yeah. That's good, though, that you don't have the accent, Michael, I, especially being a cop, because a cop has it worse. To, to the 10th degree. Whenever I play a cop, it's I, I bring it on. I, I bring it out of nowhere. But but it is I, I'm it is a good skill for an actor to be able to lose it. Like I, I don't know if I would have been able to have booked, you know, this role in Chicago. I don't know having a New York accent, I really wouldn't fit in in this universe. But you know, they, they have Chicago accents too. I can hear the Chicago, Chicago. accents. I and I've tried. I can't yeah. quite do it. And I, I thought it would have been cool maybe to try that. I, I'm having a, a, I would have a tough time. I, I could learn it, but it's it's tough. So I think they're just prejudiced against us from New York because we, we have that cockiness, you know, and they they want to hold <laughs> something against us, hold the accent, you know. <laughs> they can know there's a lot they can hold against us. Yeah, that's true. That's true. There's a lot more than the accent. How about my uh, hair bag? Do you use that in the acting hair world? Absolutely. <laughs> that act is an old hair bag. An old hair bag. Oh, it's, it's some great language. We really, it is. And, and it, 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 it never died away. So like it's it just, it's passed on from generation to generation. There's so many things that are not, and I love that. It's not, I, maybe there are a few things that have, have gone the way, but even just, uh, you know, in the, the couple of decades I did it, I, all those, all those uh, one-liners and the, and the, the vernacular. Cop, copisms, right? The copism, they'll be around for much longer than we will. Yeah, that's for sure. You know, four, four by fours. <laughs> four by fours. Yep. Only a cop knows what that is, right? Uh, <laughs> I work four to 12 and then I drink from 12 to four. Another, that's a four by another, four. You know, another four hours. Explaining uh, to our audience, you know. And even the old one, the one uh, and this was before my time, but the ten, what's the 10 8? Remember 10 8? No, I don't remember that 10, one. Ten two with a six pack. Oh, <laughs> that's a that's a really old one. Well, Even that's what we were talking about the last show. The a flute. You know what a flute is? No, what's that? A flute is. It, well, it was this was the old time desk officer? He wanted to disguise his drinking, so you put his whiskey in a coke bottle. So if the desk officer said, "Go get me a flute," you got him some oh. whiskey and you put it in a coke bottle. 
Oh my god, that's that is old school. Yeah, that's real old school stuff. Yeah. yeah. Look at the desk. That's crazy. What's that? You can smoke in the precinct. That's right. That's right. I do not that I ever smoke, but I do remember that. All the, the, I was, was in there, you know, just you know, doing my paperwork, you know, smoking cigarettes. Well, look, that only you, stopped if, under. I was gonna say that only stopped under Bloomberg, right? Yeah. So not that long. But the thing is, if you had a homicide perp and he was confessing, you threw yeah. those rules out the window. Yeah, of course you could smoke. They might want. Let me ask you a question. I, I see. I did twenty. I had a, a one-man show, a solo show that I wrote, uh, and I did it in the French. called Twenty and Out. See, I was doing the acting and the comedy the whole time I was on the job, just like you. But I, once I got to my twentieth year, I knew I can get out. Why not just take the money and run? Why did you stay an extra two years? It came down. It it, it came down to finances actually, because I uh, I got promoted to detective sergeant, uh, SDS. And but it and in my 19th year, and it took I, I gotta remember the math, but it took three years I believe to hit top pay, That's so that right. pushed me into a 21st year, and then I had to stay a year at top pay, so when I retired I would get half of top pay, as an SDS. Love this guy, man. Yeah. So and, and you get promoted, the you get the um, what is that? Every year you do past 20, you get the 60th. So you got the 60th. You got half and two 60ths plus you had SDS pay, right? Yeah, actually. But when I, uh, toward the end, I went uh, just for a few months at the DCPI. I ended my career at DCPI. So I lost the SDS and became an SA. But the money all stayed the same. Yeah, it's the same. But shit. that's why I, uh, it, was, it was my 19th year that I made SDS. So it, it, uh, it was a bit, a bit of a commitment if I wanted to capitalize on the money. Well, that was good. That was smart that you did that. Who Thank has, you, Chief Voice. Who has who has better insurance, the police department or SAG? <laughs> I've, never SAG. I mean. I've never used SAG. I've never used SAG. So you the police department, GHI and yep. HIP and so all that. To answer your shit. question, yeah, and yeah, it's I don't I've never thankfully had to use SAGs, and I should I only say thankfully because I'm double blessed, to, but the because the police department is so good, I've never had to to use SAG, but. This is my pro my dilemma. I never even had the option because you have to make over ten grand. I never made over ten grand in a year. I always like I'm, I make two or three grand. Maybe the, well, this year was probably the best one. I was probably at five grand total, but um, I never even came close to, to getting a, a ten grand threshold. Yeah, but if, if you use the police department dentists, you're gonna lose all your teeth. Because, <laughs> yeah. Any dentist that takes that plan is is making about twenty five k a year. You know, <laughs> you're right. The dental is not as great as people think. I love that when a, 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 a real cheap cop is like, "I'm way up in Monroe. Does anyone know a dentist that takes the plan?" You're like, "Dude, go into your pocket and pay for a dentist <laughs> in, the, in a mile from you. Are you kidding me?" <laughs> you know, notoriously, that never changes. The cheapness. Yeah. I got to check out the uh, the show that you just did with Nicole Kidman because I was watching an interview uh, and you mentioned that it was the best, like you mentioned this moment there where you were acting with Nicole Kidman and you forgot all your outside surroundings and that was the first time that it's ever happened to you in a scene and how yeah. she pulled you in. Can you describe that to it? Tell us about the show, what it's about first. It's it's a murder mystery, basically a whodunit set in New York City. Um, 
Hugh Grant and Nicole Kidman are living supposedly the perfect life. They're both doctors. She's a psychologist. They have a 12 year old son who goes to a fancy prep school. And uh, early in the first, well, in the first episode, um, one of the other mothers at their son's school is found murdered at the very time her husband, Hugh Grant, disappears. So it's basically her perfect life unraveling. That's one interpretation of the undoing. It's this perfect, perfect life being come on, coming undone. And I, along with Edgar Ramirez, play the two detectives assigned to the case. Um, and uh, it's tough to even talk about because you, you should kind of go into it blindly and not know anything about it because it's- Tonight when we get off. <laughs> I, wa I watched, the, I think the last scene where you wind up on the bridge was that, don't watch that don't watch that was that why bridge, are you watching that was that bridge upstate well that, shouldn't even, if you no, haven't I, seen I'm the show don't even talk about away, but was that the bear mountain bridge uh no it was um in kingston new york up near woodstock okay so it's uh, the, yeah. the Wart street bridge yeah oh, okay but did you hopefully because the no, no, i watched like, i watched the, uh, more than that but i you know i saw it, to watch the, it tonight i'm starting tonight yeah. yeah, don't avoid spoil. If anyone, and also anyone listening, avoid spoilers because it, it takes you on a ride, and it's everything you're being shown is all by design. Just go with it. Okay. How was you? How was you, Grant? Is he a good guy? He was phenomenal. <laughs> Such a nice guy. Can I tell um, you? I got a good Hugh Grant story. Oh, do you? What's that? Okay, so I was uh, doing extra work on Mickey Blue Eyes. Remember that movie? Yeah. When I was doing a party scene. Uh, there's a scene where I guess he's getting married, and um, or uh, so. I the 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 girl they teamed me up with was a knockout. She was blonde, a little bit past the prime, but she had this this low cut dress, and uh, I was using her to introduce her. I would I would take her with me on the breaks, and I would be like, hey because uh, Jimmy Kahn was in the movie and Burt Young. So I brought her to Burt Young's trailer and I'm like, hey, Burt Young, did you meet Hope yet? And he's like, no, and he, he says, come, let's go introduce him to Jimmy. So we went to Jimmy Kahn's trailer. So now we're doing this scene and Hugh Grant is coming up the stairs and I go, hey, they were on a break. I go, hey, Hugh, did you meet Hope yet? He goes, no, I, I haven't. So I just step aside and he starts talking to, uh, to Hope. And then all of a sudden, it never dawned on me, but Liz Hurley was the producer of that movie. Ah. Sitting down and she's underdressed. She's got a baseball cap on. She's just watching the freaking cat, you know, the take. And uh, I can see smoke coming out of her ears. Like, <laughs> thanks to you. And he's talking to Hope now. Like she was a knockout on the set. You know what I'm saying? So everybody's noticed her. So and I can see the smoke and I'm like, oh shit, I'm responsible for that. <laughs> It could have been all back to you. They did split up for shortly thereafter, I think, right? Yeah. Have you seen the pictures of her lately? She looks incredible. It hasn't changed a bit. No, I don't know what's going on there. I want. Uh, there's a couple of women that are just her, Sofia Vergara, to me, uh, Salma Hayek. They're just like they're like perfection. Yeah. God, God who's, who's that older English actress that's like in her seventies and she still looks amazing? I can't think of her Ooh. name. I could, I think of a couple, but they don't. I wouldn't say they look. Well, for, uh, I'm saying for her age, she looks amazing. Uh, Diana, Diana Richards died. Uh, Judy Dench. No. Maggie no, Smith. No. Negative. Can't think of. Negative K. <laughs> Negative K. Actually, as you were saying, as as he was describing an older woman, um, I was thinking there was a cop thing. Oh, she's got 
she's got city miles on her. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. messing with her odometer. So, or yeah. or I, the, one of my loves was like, she looks good from far, but she's far from good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. And you ladies could say the same shit about us if you'd like. Oh yes, especially yeah. the present yeah. company. That's um, right. <laughs> getting back to the question, I, I almost forgot. Um, she put so much preparation, and actually, she came to set almost in character. She's like somewhat method actor, you know, where you stay in character the whole time. But she put so much mental and emotional preparation into the scenes where you you couldn't help. And, and I and of course, I had all the lines down, so it was just she just drew me right in. And it was for the, one of the first times where you stop thinking about the crew and the cameras there and you got to hit your mark and, and uh, um, you know, you're waiting for the next line and you're not listening to what they're saying, but it was, uh, it, it really was amazing. I learned so much from her. I, I mean, I always kind of joked, I had to bring my A game when I really only had like a B, B game, but um, I left there a better actor than when I came on and, and I, a lot is attributed to her. She's, she's such a good actress and she, she took a lot of risks that, and a couple things where she knew it was, it was not the right choice, but she, she approached the scene from different angles. She knew when it was the right choice, but just to sit back and watch. And, and actually I'm taking all the, the scenes I have to do here. It's very emotional. This is one of the first times I have to cry on camera. Um, and I don't want to, you know, put, Drops in my eyes. Yeah, but you used to do that when they denied you 28 for the weekend. (laughs) (laughs) Back to when my mom said I had to go to school. Um, I can whip up some tears for this, Sergeant. Yeah, you can just think about my (laughs) my 4th of July weekend was canceled. (laughs) Um, I I, I wish I was a better actor back then. But um, yeah, for the the first time, I, I have to like, I'm playing a man whose life is completely destroyed. His house, his wife, his dying his son is run away um and i i have a scene where i have a a breakdown and i'm i'm trying to apply some of the things that i learned from her um and and i i feel like i always came from like the nike school of acting like just do it you know kind of just do it and now i think i'm evolving a bit i'm actually taking it a little more seriously that's amazing you know i I took um i'm I'm like a rookie actor i've maybe been doing it for like five years but I know that like in class, when you play a part that requires a lot of you emotionally, it takes a lot out of you. You know, I remember I did a scene from Ordinary People telling his wife that he wants to leave her because she's, you know, and I remember I had tears running down my face during I was like, wow, how did I do that? You know? Yeah. In fact, it's, it's, oh, sorry, go ahead, Mark. I said, you know what I miss? I used to, uh, I was working in the police academy and I was doing uh, CIT, which is crisis intervention. And we used to act out mental illnesses, right? Now, I was, one of the, I was the only guy who was retired from the job that was acting there. But because I was an actor, Jim put me in and you do these scenarios and he pulled cops out of the audience and they got to come in. So for example, you're responding to a burglary. It's not really a burglary. It's a guy who's uh, he's uh, early onset. Um, uh, what is it called? Not amnesia. Um, dementia. dementia. Uh, Alzheimer's. Yeah, Alzheimer's or dementia. And you know he's at he's at the house he used to live in. He's trying to get in with the keys, whatever. But he's disheveled. I played suicide cop, and uh, I'm on a bench. Um, I'm playing a song that's something I came up with. It's funny how that, that could get the tears rolling. You play a song and uh, the two cops come in 
and suppose you know because the neighbors are complaining because I'm drinking on this bench, and then I start using police lingo with them, and uh, they got to talk me off of, and I got two guns on me. The whole thing is the scene. You got to get, you got to ask me if I have my guns on me. I tell you I'm on the job. You confirm that. Or you check me for guns. But just crying every week on cue. I got used to it. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And I never wanted to force it, but you know, sometimes you just want to mess around with it too. Be like, do I really have it? Can I do it? Yeah, and I've actually, it sounds crazy. I've been practicing here because I don't shoot that scene for another week. And and I, I don't even want to take myself there because it's it is exhausting. Yeah. And it and you and it takes a long time to get to that. But yeah. there are also some mm-hmm. tricks. You can kind of if you put your face in the like the as if you were crying, your body will find kind of follow, it'll react toward it. So yeah. There are some some tricks to it, but I always say it goes back to like in in, uh, in grammar school when you pretend to be sick, stay home from school, and you'd have to you'd be acting sick all day. <laughs> By the time the time the day was over, you felt sick. Yeah, not, not calling in sick to work. It takes me a half hour to get <laughs> half hour, forty minutes. The way I go in, I go all in. I am I'm a method. <laughs> a method e day. Yeah, I have. It takes me like a half hour to clear up. Mike, do you still once in a while take uh, acting classes, or you don't do that anymore? Oh, I do. In fact, uh, I I took a, I took one online just a, um, a week or so ago. But it, but it's been a while, just because I have so much downtime. Yeah. Um, yeah, I took a, actually a musical theater class because I've not been involved in musical theater for two years, about two decades. So I took a uh, an auditioning for musical theater, and I took and I took a prep before the class. So I I do. Yeah, I, I do. Yeah, you know, get, it's probably good just to keep your chops up, right? To take a class. Yeah, and a lot has changed in the business, um, especially the, the angle of musical theater. I know I don't know a lot about. So, as far as just what they're looking for at the audition, and, and uh, um, just you know, I, I it's something I'm I'm unfamiliar with. Like movies, TV, I kind of I kind of got that, and I did a lot of on the job training. Um, I don't know if I would take. It depends who it is. And then there's so many opportunities now. You can get some amazing teachers, you know, Broadway Tony winners who are, you know, home in their living room. That'll, that'll, uh, actually, the musical theater class I took was a woman who was uh, in Les Miserables on Broadway in, in a couple different roles. So a phenomenal, like legendary actress. And so she it was, she's available now. So it's a good time to start taking classes. Wow. Well, what I have, I have the master class. My girl got it for me for last year. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, and you get like whatever you want. Like I've watched uh, Aaron Sorkin's Masterclass a couple of times. Cool. And the Scorsese has one, and um, and then for other stuff, just for creative writing ones, I've watched those. And then you got some that you watch just because you want to learn more about it. But it's the best of the best in their field, giving like um, a text a TED talk for like you know for five hours. Yeah, well, I got to check that out. Yeah, you can't finish it in one day. You know what I'm saying? You watch the whole, like, uh, Aaron Sorkin's one is great. Like, just uh, blew me away. Hey, Mark, aren't you supposed to do a hot sauce commercial twice? Yeah, here we go. (laughs) Ladies, listen up, guys and gals. We are sponsored by the best hot sauce in the world. Silk City hot sauce is made from small batches of pure ingredients. Locally grown peppers are the foundation of every bottle of Silk City hot sauce. There are several flavors from mild to hot. You got to see the label. Here's a killer. Here's the killer hot one. Oof. 
great artwork on it. Um, they have many different flavors from mild to hot. Um, go to silkcityhotsauce.com and please enter the code OTC for off the cuff, OTC for a 50% discount. And if you do that, you'll get a free bottle of cherry sriracha. That is our first sponsor. And his name is uh, Jeff Levine. And we really appreciate the fact that he jumped on board. We had a bunch of other people that were wanting to sponsor with us. And then uh, we were giving it to somebody and they were doing nothing with it. So if you were one of the people, we're still on the air. Uh, we'll take on sponsors. If you want to join us and maybe have us read your commercial and uh, go to uh, our email address, which is off the cuff, otcpod, P-O-D, one at gmail.com, otcpod, one at gmail.com. So we're back. We're back. Let me just uh, shout out a bit to our live chat people. Uh, Tim Acosta, thank you. Um, he, he asked a question, actually, of you, Mike. He said, what recommendations does Mike have to someone looking to get into acting? How do they approach it? Oh, it, um, it might be, I might have a question myself. It depends on, I mean, you really want to start learning the craft because it, it, it is a craft and it's real. Um, and once you kind of have an idea of what you're doing, and also you need to understand or, or decide if you want to be film actor, TV actor versus a theater actor, because I think the style of acting is very different. Um, once you've decided what it is that you want, um, I would take classes and learn the craft. And then as you're learning the craft, you sort of evolve and then learn the business shortly thereafter. And then, you know, as far as movies and TV, you really can't book you know, some of the good stuff. Actually, I recommend be do, doing background acting on and get, get on a set that way. That's always a good way. You can, you can get a SAG card that way. Um, and then, you know, the goal should be to uh, learn the craft, uh, get in the union, get an agent. There's really so much to it, Mike. Like you just said, I mean, you, you, you gave sound advice there, but there's a big learning curve on how to do it when you first start out. It really is, and then there's so much. Uh, there's so much on the on the technical end, um, and it's really about finding that delicate balance between the emotional and the technical. Um, it's again, I, I look back, kind of roll my eyes at the at the young Mike Devine, saying, "Oh, I'm from the Nike School of Acting, just do it." And 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 some of the earlier roles I had, where you the one liner, the body's this way, but you could get away with that. I had that joke in my act. What's that? <laughs> How did you screw that up? <laughs> That's the line. Like, uh, it's a joke about how I finally got Law and Order as for you. And I, the people are like, oh, I had auditioned for Law and Order for over 20 years, at least twice a year. And I never got it. And a lot of times it was for to play a cop. And I was a cop. And it was one line, like the body's over there. Like, how do you fuck? <laughs> so, and they, they finally gave me uh, a part. Uh, like two years ago excellent well it's oh good congratulations yeah, yeah. it's yeah. when you finally stop acting um it's funny with law and order i i went on a few and, and again my my training was in theater so my I, my acting was fairly large yeah. just because you're often playing to a large house you have to be that big and i wasn't booking because i would often play to the sides of the room that i'm in but it was law and order um the the casting director brought me in and it was just it was a pre-read so we're just talking like having a conversation and she went right from the conversation you know oh where do you live to what are your lines 
And it was something like the body's this way. And so I delivered it in a very conversational manner with zero acting because we went right from the conversation. Um, and that was the first law and order that I booked. So it's, it, it is about, especially for, for a cop, there's zero acting. And the moment you start acting, it's, that's, that's when you are not gonna get it because they, they, they want you there because you are a cop. And yeah, exactly well, what, sometimes they say le less is more, right? Well, they say throw it away. Yeah. yeah, let's just move, throw, just throw it away. I've left those auditions feeling like a million bucks. And then finally, and I remember driving into in the rain. It was a freaking really shitty day that day. And parking like three blocks mm -hmm. over, walking over there in the rain. And then I remember like when it was done, and it wasn't for a cop. It was for like the, I was uh, played the, the evidence collection clerk. And that would be a good part. And I remember after when I was done, I was so pissed that I messed it up. I punched the freaking, I'm like, 20 years you've been coming here? Bang! I punched the thing. <sighs> and then, like, um, I get a call, like, later on. Oh, uh, you're available for a callback. Really? All right, yeah, I'll go back. And then I went, I called, I, I read it again. And then I, I, I fucked it up even worse. Then I was like, bang! I punched the same thing. Motherfucker. And then they call me up. And they're like, all right, you're shooting on this day. I'm like, what? <laughs> outstanding that's great congratulations that's isn't that the best phone call in the world yo yeah 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 i mean I, it was just because it was law and order and i they never freaking booked me up until that point you know what i'm saying yeah. i had got other stuff i parts on the like sure the jury every show that i had uh been on has been canceled almost immediately afterwards oh. <laughs> that's yeah. for sure like yeah I'll, i could run off a lift i was on the jury they got canceled the week after that the one I was in A and E never even made it to air. I canceled in the fifth episode. I was on the fourth. So that's the a whole other element to it. That's why it is. That's why I wanted. One of the reasons I went to law enforcement, I couldn't deal with the instability of a job like that. Well, look. At least now you don't have to really worry about making a living uh, no. because you have your pension, and you know, you, well, you're working now. But I mean, say you were really just still struggling, at least you'd have some income coming in. You know. I, I feel very, very blessed. Yeah. I, I, I hooked up with a friend of mine. It's, it's, odd, it's odd. I've known him for 20 years. He's a New York actor and he's making a living doing it. And I've always said, if I don't get the part, it's okay. Cause I, you know, but I, I see friends like that and, and uh, you know, he's, he's a little younger than me, but he's had so many swings and he just missed. He was, he was due to be Mike on Mike and Molly. He, he um, just missed the role to that. And luckily we're, we're actually, we're doing episodes back to back and we had one day of shooting together. So uh but it's, it's, I got to hand it to people who, you know, from the gate become an actor because it's, it's, a, it is a hard, unstable life. Yeah. It's, it's like being a musician, depending on that totally to make a living is really, hey, tell, tough, you know, tell us about the Wolf of Wall Street experience. It was only, it was only one day. If anyone has seen the movie, it was, um, so I had a really small part in that, but um, the butler, the butler has an orgy. So um, the Leonardo DiCaprio um, hires some friends and they, it's, it's the scene where they hang him out the, the balcony by his feet. Uh -huh. and, and the line is, I called the police um, to arrest him, but I ended up paying them each $1,000 and then they beat the crap out of him. So it's, it's just us, you know, I think my, my one line was shut up. So I, I hit him with my stick and he's all bloody and they, 
Leonardo DiCaprio each pays us a thousand dollars. But but it was a really cool experience. He was a great guy. It was it was very cool to be on a Scorsese set. Um, very professional. Yeah, very. Everyone speaks very quietly, and it's very professional. There's no banging and noise and yelling. It's just everyone speaks like this, and and he was just very very approachable. And, and is that uh, is that because that's the way Marty speaks? He speaks very low and succinctly possibly because I, I had done uh even though i was cut out of it i had done the departed so but i just think it's i don't know it's with the, when you get there the assistant director says this is how we speak on, on, on yeah. the set yeah. but uh, but it was a great atmosphere very it's very calming you know it was, it, was, it was it was cool and a lot of it unfortunately there was we really it was it was mostly improv so we we improved and uh, a lot of the stuff didn't make it to the final cut the, the joke the joke was the, the the butler is all bloody and we get there and his friends say officer this man assaulted us and we look over at the bloody guy and so we ad-libbed I remember saying uh, oh I, 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 I go oh and he's a fucking thief <laughs> um, so I was so excited to, to drop an f-bomb in a Scorsese film but um, and we tried it different ways and but that was one way I kind of hoped it would end up but that that was all cut but it was a phenomenal experience. I, I, would, I would look back fondly. That's great. Yeah, yeah it's cool. Great. I think we're up on our hour and uh, we're at a, an hour and 16 minutes. You want to start wow. wrapping this up? See yeah. how we, you put, get a bunch of cops together. It doesn't matter what we do. We could talk forever. And next, next, next time we have to have waiters bringing us beers while we're doing this, you know? <laughs> Oh, as soon as this COVID shit's over, I have so many people I want to have a drink with, you know? That'd be great. Yeah. Before we leave, let's give one more shout out to everybody who tuned in. Peter Pranzo. Mike is a real gentleman and an accomplished actor. Fits right in with you guys. Uh, Tony Embry, orange and black. I glued to that show. Or I guess uh, orange is the new black, right? I glued to that show. I just log on. Um, OG. Bosgow, best show ever. Thank you. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, third watch. Yeah. Oh, he was on the show with you? No, Bosco. I think he means OG. Bosco was from Third Watch. Just, just one of the characters. Yeah. Well, his that's his. his that's his, his tag. That's his name on the the live chat. Oh, perfect. Maybe it's the real guy. I don't know. <laughs> Does that mean anything to you, Munch and Stabler? Yeah, they're that's uh, SVU. That's for you, the characters on that's for you. Okay, yeah, because he put that too. So he, yeah, he knows he knows you all. But yeah, he's a big fan. And uh, somebody, uh, he's also a Law and Order addict here. Nice. And uh, yeah, we had we had a listen. This was a great show. It was an honor to meet you. Oh, honor's mine. Thank you guys. This was fun. Um, you were, Mark, I just want to shout out to our Patreon fans, which we have to do, even though you know we have a Patreon. Uh, you can join it by patreon.com slash police off the cuff. We have three tiers for $7 a month. We, you're the bucket. Don't, don't go for seven, go higher for $9 a month month. You get to polish my rack. And I actually have a picture of my rack on the site. And then for $11 a month, you get to dip them in butter. So yeah, dip them in butter, pay 11 a month to see us. You get a lot of content that you don't see on here. <laughs> we're gonna get, we're gonna, my, Bill, if you don't mind, we'll get one last one out of um, out of Mike because I see this thing. It's from ICS3928. Mike is an incredible talent. Ask him about arresting a clown. 
Oh my God. Good way to <laughs> who go is that? I, I, I'd love to know who that is. I'm mean, actually I'm surprised you guys didn't know that. Um, about that. In 19, I was on the street in 1999 at the Academy, just a few months in Times Square. I arrested a clown in full clown makeup with little stars on his face, face white, dressed all in, in clown gear. And uh, I, I, I can't, I forget what it was for. It was some like discount thing. But um, I was throwing him, him him in the back of the RMP, and I, unbeknownst to me, someone snapped a picture. And then maybe four years ago, someone pointed out that that picture is being sold on T-shirts and posters and sweatshirts. Oh, and hoodies. <laughs> and uh, so I, I, I kind of had that memory in my head, but I, I didn't, I didn't know anyone took a picture. So just a few years ago, I got to see that picture again and see me locking up, I don't know, Chuckles or whomever the clown. Um, it's actually a great picture. Um, what was it? Was he one of like the the characters in Times Square? You know, all the people. Yes. Like, yeah. So he was. Yeah, he's. I think I think he's still around. But um, New York Nico was the photographer, and he's been selling that. So if you I think if you look up, look up New York Nico, the name of the picture is "It's a Tough Town to Be a Clown." <laughs> um, so you see little rookie skinny you know when movie. it was in the midst of the snowstorm the other day the naked cowboy was out there i was oh. like how's this guy out there what, what you know been around forever I and, know. And, and god bless that he had, i don't know what he, he's got to put something on his skin so he doesn't feel it like it's got to be because he's crazy in the middle of the snowstorm that guy's out there I remember the cops hated him they they what? nobody the cops hated him they they always said that he was such a tool Really? Yeah. <laughs> Nobody. Not not a nice nice man. I, I understand. Yeah. I, I I locked up Batman once. <laughs> uh -huh. on oh. For DWI. Oh really? I called, the Batmobile. He, yeah, he was in the Batmobile. I called up his wife to come and pick up his stuff, so I didn't have to voucher it. And we're in the one twelve. He's gonna get tested. He's cuffed all the way down here. I don't know if you've ever been in the one twelve. It's got a long, long desk. So he's cuffed over here. I'm bullshitting with this other cop from the 112 all the way. It's my collar. His wife comes in. I said, I said, uh, this is his stuff. She signs the paper. And she says to me, could I say something to him? You know, they're little, uh, they're Spanish, like Ecuadorian, right? <laughs> he's fucking hammered, by the way. She said, could I say, say something to him goodbye? I said, yeah, yeah, go ahead. So I send her down there. And at some point, the, the, the guy that I'm talking to, he goes, yo, Batman's getting fucked up. And I turn around. And she was talking to him for a second. And then she started wailing. <laughs> Good for her. I had to run back there. And, fucking, and this guy was in a full bat. He still had the, he still had the bat face on. <laughs> oh, that's, that's great. I love the absurdity of the job sometimes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. All right. So uh, anything else? You got anything you want to plug, Mike? Or you, you're on a you're on a, a job right now. What else do you want to plug? Right? You're no, a working, no, no. I you're, just you're a working actor. You don't even have to plug anything. No, I I, I got nothing but thanks to you guys. No, we, thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, I wanted to shout shout out to our friend Yael Bartour yes. for uh, referring all these great guests to me. Mike's one of them, and her friend uh, Nancy Rommelman we had on and. Uh, Hopefully, Yael will keep referring guests to me, or she'll come on. She's she was on our show a while ago. She's great, you know. She is great, and thank so. thank thanks to her and thanks to you guys. Yeah, appreciate God bless it, you, man. All the best in everything you do, Mike. Thank you. Uh, we're big fans.
And hopefully we'll get a chance to work together, hopefully. Well, one day, us three together. I would love that. That would be, that would be great. Doing the squad scene. That'd be awesome. It'll be called, the scene will be called A Million Out of Boys Don't Equal One Ah Shit. <laughs> great line. All right, listen. For, for Police Off the Cuff, Mark DeMeo, Bill Cannon, and Michael Devine, good evening. Thanks so much for watching. Thank you, Mike.